You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. You know, uh, you may be listening to us as a podcast on iTunes. Maybe that's how you're listening to us. Much, Many of our audience do listen to us as a podcast. And, and I would ask if you wouldn't mind taking a few minutes to write a review on our show on iTunes. This is a powerful way for you to help us grow our audience of business executives. As I said earlier, since we started in 2009, and we're coming up on our anniversary here, in March of this year, we have reached over 170,000 listeners with our podcast. All right, it gives me great pleasure to welcome back to the show Jerry Davis. He is the he is a professor at University of Michigan and an author, and we're talking about his book, Changing Your Company from the Inside Out. You know, before the break, Jerry, I said I wanted to ask you if you could maybe share, you know, I don't know if it's best practices or maybe playbook is the right term, but, you know, how does a business owner, business leader, CEO, begin to build successful entrepreneurship? Yeah, it's a great question. I appreciate that. So the big theme in our book is that being an entrepreneur in a company is a lot like leading a social movement. And we found that a lot of the same kind of plays that work for social movement activists also work for social entrepreneurs. And that can seem fairly surprising. You might think, what can a business leader learn from the Arab Spring or the Civil Rights Movement or the Tea Party? But there's a lot of lessons there about how to uh, successfully make change. And we break it down into four sorts of questions that distinguish uh, the successful innovations, the successful innovators or entrepreneurs, uh, and the less successful ones. And the first one is about understanding what the opportunity structure is. So when? When is the right time for change? Can you read the organization's climate in a way that allows the entrepreneur to know when to push their ideas and when to hold back? So do you read the uh, the opportunity structure properly? The second question is why? Why is this a compelling change? The case that entrepreneurs make has to resonate with the company's culture and strategy and be adapted to different audiences. So different departments in the company, uh, different constituencies, you need to be able to talk to them in their own language, but in a way with some fidelity uh, to the core idea. The third question is who, which is who's going to help make this innovation possible. We found that the best entrepreneurs don't just identify key decision makers or those that they need to bring along, but they understand the broader influence system. So if you think about Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Tipping Point, talks about salesmen, mavens, uh, connectors, how do you identify those people? In the book, we actually talk about social network analysis as a method to locate who are the people that you need to know and and connect with. And last is how. How do you mobilize supporters to try to collaborate on the initiative? We found that entrepreneurs can choose online and offline tools that allow them to gather momentum effectively. So four questions, when, why, who, and how. And in the book, of course, we go into a bit more detail than just those questions, but that's the that's the key way to think about the, the playbook. We're talking with Jerry Davis. Where he's the author of the book, Changing Your Company from the Inside Out. You know, we're t- we've been using this term, entrepreneurship, for the entire interview, and I'm just wondering, Jerry, uh, how long has that term been around? Yeah, it's, it's a kind of horrible word from our perspective. Uh, according to Microsoft Word, it isn't actually a word at all. Uh, but it's been out there for about three decades. So there are actually a bunch of books on Amazon about entrepreneurship. 
Uh, social entrepreneurship is a bit more of a of a more recent vintage, but uh, it's got some play out there. The uh, Aspen Institute has their first movers program, Ashoka Foundation. I think entrepreneurship, people are starting to get more comfortable referring to themselves as entrepreneurs. A lot of times when we describe what entrepreneurs do, people say, oh, turns out that I am that. I've been doing it for years and didn't realize it. <laughs> you know, Jerry, I'm wondering, um, did your research, does your research suggest or indicate that companies that have this type of a culture of a social entrepreneurship, an innovative culture, in entrepreneurship in general, are they able to retain their workers? Do you see any correlation between kind of that and, and the entrepreneurship that's alive and well in their company? Yeah, it definitely feels that way in the companies that we've talked to and the entrepreneurs that we've talked to, that if you can create a climate where people say, this is a place that I can have meaning in my career, this is a place that I can really make a difference, you're more likely to be able to hang on to them. And it's not just social entrepreneurship, just entrepreneurship broadly, like the AdSense business at Google. That was a multi-billion dollar business these days. That was the result of entrepreneurship. So if you can allow people uh, to pursue their own ideas, and, and if they're good, to actually take them up, that's going to give people more commitment to stay with the company. They feel that they can make a difference. We found that it actually depends a lot on people's career stage. People might reach the five-year point and say, do I really want to stick around at this company or are there better opportunities out there? That's actually a pretty good time to feed them the opportunity to be an entrepreneur. That might redouble their commitment. And I can see how when you layer on top of that a social aspect to it, you might also keep people very engaged in your business because they feel that they're doing something bigger working for you than they could do individually if they were off on their own. Yeah, just like that example you described of the GE ads, if you can change the way that Walmart does business, you can change the world. That's not something you're likely to be able to do entirely on your own. So, Okay, so you brought up uh, Walmart, and not, not because of Walmart in particular, but because of their corporate structure and their size. Um, how, in, in your work, uh, can you relate corporate activism to social entrepreneurship and, and sort of what is corporate activism and how does it relate to the other content that's in your book, Changing Your Company from the Inside Out? Yeah, so I guess activism and entrepreneurship have a lot in common. For me, activism might be seen as just trying to change the company to achieve some kind of social values. And one of the things that we've seen uh, in the last five years since we started working on this book and teaching this class is that social movements are everywhere. Activism in society seems to be at a much higher level than has historically been true. So if you think about since 2009, we've seen the Tea Party movement, Occupy Wall Street, the Arab Spring, Black Lives Matter. It's uh, the open carry movement. It's, it's amazing the array of social movements that are out there. So I think people are finding that largely because of social media, Issues are a lot more live out there. It's possible to be active in an issue, you know, just on Facebook or Twitter, but also on the streets. So companies don't really have a choice to respond to this. They, they are, they're operating in an environment where these values are out there one way or another, and so they have to sort of take it on. For an entrepreneur, that can be an opportunity. If you know that the, the world is changing out there and the company needs to change with it, um, things like social media mean that you might be more effective within your company at making change. You know, that, that um, 
we're talking with Jerry Davis. And Jerry, that as you were answering that question, I'm thinking, I love the interplay between technology and it's enabling the some of the most basic human needs and desires on a large scale, right? The, the, some of the things you talked about, I think, happened only because people with a strongly held view were able to find other people and, and through technology kind of bring critical mass to the to the to the movement and create a movement i'm wondering have you in companies that you study that have thriving entrepreneurship cultures social entrepreneurship cultures are they leveraging technology in a similar way inside their own business to allow these people to have a voice and to make a difference yeah it's a great question and we have not seen nearly as much of that as i expected um one of the problems one of the issues is that a lot of our students go into the financial services industry, and financial service companies have a very strong interest in maintaining security and integrity for their clients. And unfortunately, that means that they keep a very close eye on the kind of groups that are formed within their companies. <laughs> so they might be tracking your emails and uh, analyzing the content of those. So within the company might not always be the most obvious online within the company might not be the most obvious place to form a social movement. And so that's a bit of an issue. You don't necessarily want to go public or float an idea on the company intranet if you're not yet sure if you have a lot of support. So as of yet, we're not really seeing you know, a company adopting Yammer or, uh, or Slack or something like that that's been a very strong source of entrepreneurship. I think it's going to happen, uh, but we haven't seen a lot of it just yet. We're talking with Jerry Davis, and, and so let's focus now finally here in this segment of Critical Mass Radio Show on your book, Changing Your Company from the Inside Out. If someone is interested in reading your book and learning more about your research, how, how do they find your book? When when will they be able to get your book? Can you Can you give us a sense for that? Absolutely. I love your question. So the book's been available for a few months. You can find it on Amazon or other online booksellers. Uh, It was published in March of last year by Harvard Business Review Press, and it's available for not too much money in hardcover, and it's available in uh, in Kindle and other forms like that. We don't have the book on tape yet, but if you want something more like a free sample, you can just Google me at the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and find a link to an article we recently published at the Stanford Social Innovation Review, which is a wonderful publication. It's like the Harvard Business Review of Social Innovation. And we have an article that's sort of the Reader's Digest version of the book. So that will give you uh, a pretty quick understanding of what the book's about, the basic themes, and you can decide from that whether you want to go a little further and, uh, and buy the book itself. So my producer who uh, is here in the studio who hails partly from the great state of Michigan, said that uh, the area, I guess, Ann Arbor has an acronym, A-squared. Is that, yes. is, that st- is that still in? Do people still use that, or is he dating himself with giving no, me no, that it's term? No, true. We, we still use A-squared, so okay. he's, he's on fleek, as the young people say. Oh, wow, look at that. We're just, we're just throwing it out here. Okay, is there, are there any other places that, if people want to connect with you, specifically as a thought leader in this area, Jerry, uh, are there ways for them to connect with you? So uh, you can find me at the Ross School of Business, and my co-author, whom I need to acknowledge, Christopher White, is the director of the Center for Positive Organizations at the Ross School of Business, and he's a good person to connect with as well. Uh, He wasn't able to join us for today, um, but he's a thought leader in this area as well, and the Center for Positive Organization is an international leader in thinking about how do you make positive business work. 
Wow, I love that. I uh, I was unaware that there was such an organization, but I uh, we should have him on the show sometime to talk about it. Well, I, I can't end this segment, Jerry, without saying thank you for being a friend of the program. Uh, thank you for your contribution with your latest book, and welcome to the Critical Mass Business Community. Oh, thanks, Rick. I've really enjoyed it. Have a good day, my friend. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. Our advertisers are special to us. They are Center Club, Decision Toolbox, MBN Design, SunUp Group, and T and Company. Our engineer for today is Paul Roberts. Our producer is Joan Park, and I am your host, Rick Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about my business, I feature a lot of information on the radio show, on the CEO peer groups, the mastermind groups that I lead, the books that I've written, and some of the technical uh, white papers that I've created as well. Uh, you can find that all on Critical mass for for business.com if you're a lifelong learner who is looking to improve your game that knows if your company is to improve you need to it needs to start with you then critical mass for business may be a tool in helping you get there until our next show i hope all of your decisions will move your company in a positive direction you have been listening to critical mass radio show business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 